Knowing where to start your story is one of the biggest challenges for a writer. And how much of the ordinary world do you put in before your hero crosses over into the new world? That's what we're talking about today on the Writer Spark Podcast. Hello, hello. I'm Melissa Bourbon, and this is the Writer Spark Podcast, where business, creativity, and the craft of writing converge. Welcome. 15 years ago, I was an avid reader, but not a writer. I didn't know anything about the actual craft, and I knew next to nothing about the publishing industry. But I had a dream to become a published author, and I set out to learn everything I could. Now, I'm a number one Amazon and national best-selling author of more than 35 novels. I've published traditionally, and I've recently plunged into the world of indie publishing. And I teach people like you how to grow in their craft and find success in this ever-changing industry. I'm an ordinary person, a wife, a mom, a daughter, a teacher, living in a small North Carolina town. Through Spark, I am doing what I love more than anything in the world, which is teaching and helping others on their writing journeys. I'm here as your partner, as you navigate your own writing journey. I'm here to help you understand the essential elements of the writing craft, to build your confidence, and to help you find the success you desire. Welcome to the Writer Spark Podcast. My guest today is Zara Altair, and I am so happy to have her as my guest. And she is the author of the Argolikas Mystery Series, which is a sixth century Italian sort of historical series, which in particular, I love because of the real history connection. Uh, and several of my series also have real people and real um, historical elements, and I love bringing that in. So, Zero, welcome, welcome. And I would love to hear a little bit about your origin story, where you began and how this series came about. Hi, Melissa. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's just like out of the blue. I was like, wow, that's fun. Um, Because I always love talking about writing. Mm -hmm. So origin. Well, I've been writing stories since I could write, (laughs) which is about five or six years old. They were very short stories, but you know. Um, And the Argolikos series came about... uh, my I was talking with my daughter and and I was talking about going to Italy and she said mommy you should go to Ravenna and then she started on this long story about Theodoric and and bringing his Ostrogoth people from the north in into Italy and settling in Ravenna and becoming the king of Italy, that's a very short version. But anyway, uh, and I went, wow, I wonder what it was like to live then. And that is exactly how this all got started. And I did go to Ravenna and I talked to, I, I made appointments and interviewed several history professors at the University of Bologna in Ravenna. And, and of course, they were just totally jazzed that this crazy woman from the United States wanted to write about, you know, sixth century uh, 
Ravenna in Italy, and they were most giving of their time and of their resources and telling me which libraries to go to, all kinds of stuff. It, so that's kind of the origin and that's kind of how it started. And Argolicus um, actually was a real person, but hardly anything is known about him. So oh, I, it was a wonderful combination of me being able to dive into the period, have a character, and then create the character in his background because hardly anything is mentioned about him. How so did you know about him? Or how did uh, you learn about I him? I was reading, I was researching and I was reading Cassiodorus letters called Very Eye and he's mentioned several times, but only by name. And then there's a thing where he was naughty. I mean, it was, you know, yeah, go fix that. So, so from there, you got to really just create this character. So I got to create the character as a person, yes, and give him a personality and a background and a family and friends and all that sort of thing. Yeah. That's that's awesome. That's so fun. Um, okay, so what else have you done in your career? Whoa, this well... I, I was a poet for many years. I worked with um, California poets in the schools, um, bringing poetry and teaching poetry to kids in the, in the classroom. And that was from kindergarten through high school. And then I taught at um, the local university. I taught, actually, I had a course for junior high kids. And then I had a course for teachers. Um, and I've been writing one, one way or another all my life. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, poetry. I was a middle school slash high school teacher, middle school, most of my career. I don't teach any, I teach adults now, creative writing, <laughs> but I don't yeah. teach in the public schools anymore. But teaching poetry was always one of my favorite things to do and to kind of turn kids on to reading poetry, but really writing it and to be able to express themselves and, and tap into a different way of writing versus expository or narrative. Yeah, you know? I, I, especially, whoa, junior high when everything is so confusing. Yes. The hormones are surging. Or I, I, I was at one school where they, I couldn't believe this, but they changed the names of all the Hispanic kids and anglicize their names. And I'm like, how can you do this? They already are like totally confused about who they are. One minute they're 10 and the next minute they're 35. And now you're changing their name. It, that was crazy. But that poetry is a way to get into their hearts and let them really express themselves and get in touch with their feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, the school changed their names? The school changed I'm, their names? The school changed their names. I've never heard of... So uh, if they came in as Jaime, they might call them Jim. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, that was a long time ago. And um, I found it totally horrific for all the reasons that you can possibly think of. Mm -hmm. Um 
but anyway, I, you know, because I was a poet in the schools, I dropped in out of the sky and we did poetry together and then I was gone, but, um, I, I was amazed. <laughs> I was hmm. amazed. There's a bigger, longer yeah. story to that, but not here. Um, yeah, so I've always, always been writing. And then, um, I was um, screenwriting and doing script reading, so I read a lot of scripts, and that's when I realized that that beginning writers make the same mistakes, or they misinterpret what they think is carved in stone. Let's put it that way. They they misinterpret what they think is carved in stone. Right, because nothing is carved in stone. What I've been thinking about lately is, is for writers is, um, how do you, how do you introduce your detective, your sleuth, the beginning of your book? It's how you hook your reader. It's how you get them to care about whatever trials and tribulations happen later on in the story. If they don't care about your character, they aren't going to care about the story either. Yeah, that is so true. And even uh, experienced writers, I mean, my 30th book came out recently and I'm working on a new project and going through it with my agent. And, you know, we together collaboratively retooled the opening because of where I had started it and where she thinks it should start. And I mean, it, it never necessarily gets easier. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. I uh, the the my current book that I'm working on. Uh, I was taking a course with Nassim Khan, and I just took out practically the whole first page. I mean, I had the my my intro is a setup for what happens later in the story, and 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 then when I was looking at it, I went, I don't need this, I don't need this, I don't need this, I, get, I need to get in to the action, yeah, right. I need to follow my own advice, I need to get into the story more quickly. <laughs> Isn't it funny you're able to see these issues in somebody else's work much more easily than we can observe them or even apply them right out of the gate in our own work? It is. It's just, it's, it's just amazing. Even, even though when you put on your editor hat, you know, and you know, you're, you're being objective and, and looking at things with a critical eye, it's still, it's really hard to see your own stuff. Finding that spot to begin though is a real challenge because you have the story in your mind, right? And, and you want to get all of this information across, but especially now, I think more than ever before, we have to get into that action very quickly. In the hero's journey, this would be the sleuth, the protagonist, ordinary world, which you introduced somewhat briefly because we want to get right into the action. Um, but in that ordinary world, we want to foreshadow something about the sleuth. Right. Going on. What I like to think of, this is where so many beginning writers get stuck is the ordinary world part. Mm -hmm. And I think if you think of the ordinary world part as how your detective operates, 
What are their skills? These are the things you want to show your reader. It's not how they get up in the morning. It's not when they go in the bathroom and look at the mirror and see their dark curly hair or their long blonde hair or whatever it is. That is not the ordinary world. The ordinary world for the reader is how does this character operate? What, mm-hmm. what do they do? How do they solve problems? So you want to introduce a problem. Hey, you know, <laughs> it could be all, all the wedding muffins for the wedding party burned and the wedding is three hours away. You know, how does your cozy character deal with a problem? That's what your readers want to know about. How, how yeah. does this character operate? They don't care at the beginning whether their hair is dark and curly or blonde and straight. And they don't care if, re- if your character is short or tall or has a scar on their cheek or any of that stuff. They really, really care. And how you make the connection with the reader is how does that character operate? Here's a problem. How do they solve it? And but pretty- that needs to be done so subtly because you don't want to beat the reader over the head so that it's clear you're you're presenting it for that reason, right? We want exactly, to exactly. So I think I think the easiest way to think of it is to how do they operate in the real world? And it, you know, the problem can be as simple as, you know, the irritating neighbor coming in and saying, you know, your sprinkler overwatered my camellia or, you know, it doesn't have to be a big deal that, so, um, it's, it's just that there's this, let's, let's not even call it a problem. Let's just call it a situation. You know, it's, there's a situation and your sleuth has to deal with it. And that, that rather than getting up in the morning and eating breakfast and scrolling through their mobile phone or whatever, you really want to show them doing something. So there's a couple of ways, there's three main ways that you can do this. And one is yes, by action, action. Uh, and you can start right in the middle of things. It's called in medias race and show your detective in action um if they're law enforcement they may be winding up another case they're going to get feedback from the other people on their team or whatever it is but the focus is on your detective doing something that illustrates a skill and also you want to show a weakness you know there's something where they aren't quite up to speed um so because believe it or not weaknesses readers love weaknesses because they're human beings and they have weaknesses and it really develops that empathy with the character right a perfect character is not so interesting no it's pretty boring (laughs) and the whole idea at the beginning is 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 um that you want your reader to want to follow this character through solving the the mystery and, and not only that, through a series, because most of the genre mysteries are series, so not just one book. 
They are, yeah. So you got to have a character that's got a lot going on, but yeah. you don't have to. You don't have to. You you don't have to show and or tell all that stuff at the beginning. The beginning is just giving your reader a peek at how your detective operates. So in my books, I would say that I approach that through my character's inner conflict, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. So you've got your external plot or your external conflict that is the mystery, the solving of mm-hmm. the mystery once that happens. But there also needs to be some sort of inner problem or inner conflict that they're dealing with. In one of my series, the characters, Ivy uh, Culpepper in my Breadshop series, her mother has unexpectedly died, which ends up coming into the plot, but she's grieving and she's trying to figure out, you know, how, how to move forward essentially. And um, she's back in her hometown after being away for a long time. And, and it's forming relationships and connections and um, particularly these female connections, but the, the inner conflict is sort of dealing with that unexpected loss, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and that is what informs her throughout. And then that is what we see growth in as well. As the story progresses, we see this natural progression of her dealing with the grief and being able to move forward, you know, on on some level. I think that works better in a cozy than it does in, um, in say, a law enforcement mystery. Oh yes, true. A crime, a, a crime mystery, because because a, a a cozy is actually much more emotional story. So mm-hmm. bringing all that emotional stuff in at the beginning. Let's go ahead and use yours as an example. What is the problem or the situation that you present right up front that helps inform that character that then? you know, ultimately helps that character solve the crime. Okay, so we can take an example like from the Roman heir. The Roman heir starts uh, with a conversation with Boethius. The main character, Agolicus, is leaving Rome. He's leaving because he doesn't quite fit in. As far as the Romans are concerned, He's, he's a country bumpkin. He comes from the South. Uh, there's nothing new. and I mean, it still goes on now. There's Northern right. Italy and Southern Italy. All this comes up why he's leaving, right? Boethius says, well, I know you like books. And I, I was wondering if you do me a favor, would you take this book that I made and take it to this young fellow that I know who lives in Ostia? And Argolica says, well, I only have two days, so yeah, okay, <clears throat> I can drop it off. And that's mm-hmm. the beginning of the story, because when, when he gets to Ostia and um, meets the boy who's a teenager, um, his father has been murdered that morning. Okay, and so that's the crime that ends up being solved. That's the crime that ends up being solved, but that's... But he doesn't find out about the crime till the um, 
the next chapter when he actually gets to Ostia. But at the beginning, it's just setting him up as a book lover, which he is, and hinting at the problems that he has. In terms of not fitting in? In terms of of not fitting in, yes. Does that play into the story later on? The fact that he doesn't play fit in? into every story. And he also has another thing going on, which is... He is, he is a mixed race. His father is a Roman. His mother is Ostrogoth. And so that sometimes presents problems as well. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, yeah, I think, um, well, in a cozy mystery, for example, it's whatever the hook is plays a part typically in how the sleuth is going to solve the mystery in the end, you know, that there's some skill or something learned from whatever that hook is. I have a different series, my Pippin Lane Hawthorne bibliomancy series. We get the sleuth's sort of situation or problem actually through the prologue because we learn that there's this, this curse and this bibliomancy gift not explicitly, but it's just sort of implied right at the beginning. And so that's the thing that evolves that ultimately helps her. So it can be presented in a lot of different ways. Absolutely. But either way, see, even with a prologue, your your prologues are really attention grabbers. And, mm-hmm. and, and you're grabbing the reader's attention and you're getting them into not the main story yet, but something that's hinting at the story to come. That's the thing. So I, th- I think the emphasis for today is do that, go into the story right away. However you want to do it, you can do it through mm-hmm. action. You can do it through dialogue. You can do it through raising a question, but just get, get into this story, save the backstory, save the, what they're wearing, save the mean streets of LA, Los Angeles, or New York, or wherever you are, your town can have mean streets. Save those for, you have a whole novel now, there's several hundred pages to bring in all those details, but the beginning is about getting your reader involved, getting them to care. And getting them to ask questions. What's going to happen next? How are they going to deal with this? When you write your subsequent books in a series, do you present a new situation or a new problem for your protagonist that is different than the one in the previous book or in the initial book that that is specific to the crime that's going to be solved in that? Problems, those personal problems usually stem from who he is mm-hmm. and, his, and his background, but the situations are different and the, the people are different and how those problems are used against him, as it were, are different. Because you, because your character is going to grow from each book. So the problems can't be identical. Like there has to be some change up in them. There has to be a change. Yep. There has to be a change. Okay. If you were going to give a couple of tips to 
let's say, new writers or writers who struggle with the opening, because as I mentioned earlier, you know, my 30th book came out and it never gets any easier. You know, I've been working with my agent on a new proposal and we have reworked the opening a couple of times because trying to decide where we thought it should start to really, you know, grab the attention of the reader. So it doesn't necessarily get easier. So what would a couple of tips be to help somebody kind of figure out how to present that problem for the sleuth or how to know where to start the story, you know, where in that ordinary world and how long do you keep them in that ordinary world before there's a mystery to solve? Hop right in, jump right in, jump right into the story. You've got the rest of the novel to tell the reader all the backstory, all the other things, all the other skills your detective has. Just jump into the story. Uh, is is my is my first tip is get going, get into action. It's it's where I see the biggest problems at the beginnings. They love their character so much, you know, and they want to tell you everything about their super cool new character, you know. First of all, it's telling, and you really want to show your reader how your detective operates. Give them just some little tiny problem to solve. Some little, can be the irritating neighbor, or it can be winding up the last big case. It really doesn't matter, but give them a problem to solve. Show your reader how they operate. Show some of their traits. Are they sloppy? Are they messy? And, and think about traits, though, that might impact how they investigate later on. Right. The biggest thing you want to do is make that emotional connection with your reader and get them to care about your character and mm-hmm. get them to go, wow, this gal, she's full of spunk. I want to know, you know, mystery readers are devoted readers, so they have they have their expectations. And and they know a big mystery is coming when they when they pick up a, a mystery book you know so you don't have to tell them that what you want to do is get them to connect with your mystery solver your detective your sleuth and so because you the want sleuth is the person who carries the book i mean the puzzle it the, the mystery yes, book absolutely parts, right? You've got the puzzle and the mystery reader is committed and wants to solve that puzzle and and is intrigued by that, right? But also the character has to be likable enough and relatable enough to carry the entire book. And if we don't like that person or don't relate to that person, then we're not going to care about the book and we're going to put it down no matter how good. I think for cozies, they definitely need to be likable for mysteries or crime they don't always have to be likable but they do need to be relatable right there's a difference yes i've stopped books and my husband has stopped books because there's no likable character you know likable i think there's a spectrum of likability too you know it doesn't mean that they're necessarily just a peaches and cream all you know smiles what gets people too i i was I guess this was about a year ago now, and I was reading a well-liked British 
author who writes crime mysteries. I was waiting to see why everybody liked her. I never got there. You know, she had the tall, handsome detective. And I'm like, well, how nice for him. But, you know, I'm waiting for this story. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's really important that you want your reader to make that emotional connection. That's the first thing you want. All, all the, what I call the telling, like any of their background or their bigger problems you can save those for later if you don't have all the details in there your reader's gonna go whoa i wonder why they mm, you know and you get to tell them later on right you want to parse things out to make it interesting yes, exactly so that's a nice teacher word <laughs> yeah always the teacher i think also presenting a weakness is another way to do it because as we talked about a minute ago, nobody's perfect. We don't want those perfect characters, but also a weakness that we see in a character, whether it's explicit or perceived by that character can automatically sets the sleuth up for some growth, yeah. which will help them solve the case. Ultimately, you know, they're not, if it's a first in series book that's not already a detective series or a book, for example, but something that's amateur um, or a suspense or something, you have somebody who's not a professional crime solver. So right. they start <laughs> at one place and have to grow into that role. And so we can show that out of the gate with some sort of weakness in the situation that we present. Yeah. You yeah. don't want them to be goody two shoes. Right. Or good at everything, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, any other tips for our new writers, struggling writers, people who have challenges with the beginnings, which is probably everybody? <laughs> Just everybody. Yes. Um, keep writing. Right. Never stop. I, I would say also, don't get so hung up on the beginning just keep writing because you can always come back and figure out where to start it after. Right. You right. You know, it's like the, that first sentence, you know, you can spend writing the whole rest of the novel, figuring out the first sentence. So, yes. So don't stymied by that and stuck and not may, be able to make forward progress because you are just so focused on that opening line or that opening scene, whatever it is, because you can come back to that and you can change Always. it, add to it, edit it, revise it, whatever, you know, just don't let that stop you. I would say that almost with every novel, I come back and change or tweak or do something different with the opening, you know, this, how, yeah, how it ends up is not necessarily how I started it. I was listening to an author interview and he said he does 40 revisions. That's the average 40? number of 40 that he does on a novel. Wow. Yeah, Walter Mosley. Yep. 40. I, uh, I, I like, Whoa, that's a lot. <laughs> I, I would say I do however many revisions a particular project needs. There isn't a set number. They don't all need the same level of editing or revision. Right. So what is next 
for you, Zara? Well, I'm writing, I'm leaping out of history and into the present day and um, writing a present day crime scene with um, a homicide detective in Sonoma County, California. And this takes place out in the hills near the coast. So it's way out, not wine country. It's the redwoods in a very, very small town. So I'm having fun with that. I, I have to do a lot of research. I had to learn a lot about how a law enforcement officer thinks, what actually motivates them with lots of help from Detective B. Adam Richardson. So this is a detective story, not an amateur sleuth story. Yeah, it's a detective story. Uh, she's a, yes, she's a homicide detective. So yeah, she's at a completely different level. Lots about law enforcement, but there's also lots about spies and then the CIA comes in later. So there's a lot. When is that one projected to be finished or to be released? I have no idea. I have no idea. I was stuck on the story for quite some time, so that happens too. And then just a couple of weeks ago, everything, this new element fell into place, and I was like, yes, 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 yes. So I'm all jazzed, and I'm writing all this whole series, this whole new series that goes inside the story. And I'm very excited about that. You know, another thing I I would say that has nothing to do with the beginnings of writing a, a story, but a writing group helps if you find the right writing group. And I'm not going to go into that today, but mm-hmm. I also even um, a writing buddy. I have an, an author buddy and we meet once a week for about 40 minutes and talk about what we did the week before announce our goals for the coming week, talk about any issues that may have come up that kept kept us from reaching our goals. And it's very short, and we write in different genres. It's just that it's someone who understands what you're going through, because if you talk to your neighbor with the camellia tree, they are not going to understand why something is so frustrating. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I think it's 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 uh, being accountable also, and it's having clear intentions with what you're trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. you know, versus um, just writing. It's like, you know, Weight Watchers, is check- the, the fact that you're checking in with somebody holds you accountable to a different mm-hmm. degree. Well, this has been great, Zara. Thank you so much again for joining me on Writer Spark. I really appreciate it. And best of luck with the next project. All right. Thank you so much, Melissa. And for all of you writers out there, keep writing. That's exactly right. Keep writing. And don't worry about the beginning. Come back to it. But jump into some middle of the action, (laughs) whatever that looks like. Next time, we'll be talking about revision. So stay tuned, and I will see you then. Thank you so much for listening and spending your time with me today, everyone. I'm Melissa Bourbon, and this is the Writer's Spark Podcast. Take a moment to visit our website at www.writersparkacademy.com. Check out our courses, our resources, and all the content there. And I will see you next time. Until then, happy writing.